think that in the last year, the church has been redefined, right? Right? Um, in fact, turn to your neighbor as we begin and say, you are the church. That's what we're talking about a lot today. I know I speak uh, of this concept uh, from time to time as it's a passion of mine, but this is a series we're in called The Power of Grace. How many were here last week when we talked about the tabernacle and we put up the, right? Uh, that was Easter, right? Yeah, that was Easter. Um, took me a second. And we talked about Jesus making a way. Uh, in fact, I want to begin where we left off last week. So if you have your Bibles or you can cheat and look at the screen. Uh, Hebrews 7, 19. We read a lot from Hebrews last week. Uh, how many believe the Bible is your source of truth, right? I just want to make that clear. Not just sharing ideas up here from Pastor Jordan. No, we are uh, grounded in Scripture. So look at Hebrews 7, 19. It says that because Jesus tore the veil, uniting man with God, this is what it says, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. How many have experienced that better hope? Right? About 60% of you. I think some of you are still maybe flipping the pages on your Bible. Let me ask one more time. How many of you have experienced that better hope? Right? Unity and friendship with God. So we're going to take this even a step further uh, today. That is God's grace and that is God's power. Right? That is the power of grace. And so today's big takeaway, that's where we left off last week, today's big takeaway is this. The power of grace is that you are never forgotten. You are never forgotten. As I was praying about this sermon and, and uh, feeling like the Holy Spirit led me to a couple moments in Scripture where Jesus is engaging people that maybe society cast aside and had forgotten. You're never forgotten. So turn in your Bibles uh, to Luke chapter 4, and as you're turning there, or scrolling there, if you've got your um, a Bible app, uh, I want to set this up. Jesus was uh, 30 years old, and he had just come out of the desert where he was tempted and tested for 40 days. He was tested by the devil. He overcame every test. The Father helped him. He exited the desert. He entered the temple. And this is where one of my favorite passages, he quotes Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He has anointed me, right, to break every bondage, to release those who are in captives, to set the prisoner free. And then he closes this quotation from the prophet by saying, today, this is fulfilled in your midst. So I shared on this briefly at Passion Service, saying that this made some people furious, Right? So it made some people furious because they knew he was indicating. It was a pretty strong hint. It was a pretty strong hint that he was saying he was the Messiah. That's big news. Everybody say big news. This is a big deal. So some of them were confused, and then some of them were filled with joy. Now, those who were upset literally tried to kill him right away. And that spirit of murder, that spirit of Antichrist rose up in them. They tried to kill him, but he slipped through the crowd. So he begins his ministry, and I wanted to set that up. So he begins his ministry. In fact, how many of you got my email this last uh, month, the newsletter? Yeah. So we talked about the power of Jesus, his healing ministry, his ministry, his teaching ministry even, began after the Holy Spirit had come upon him, and that is an example for us. So he's baptized in water. We're going through a couple chapters really quick. He's baptized in water, right? And uh, we might also infer that, he's, that, he's, that the Holy Spirit comes upon him in a powerful way. So if you want to learn more about that, just go to that email. But let's jump in at Luke 4. 
Luke 4, verse 38. Luke 4, 38. So he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. He stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. We have to, can we pause? We have to not be so used to church, so used to reading the Bible, that we miss the very powerful, obvious, amazing fact of what we just read. How many of you have been in church for more than 10 years? Raise your hand, right? Okay, so when we read this, how many will nod along with me and be like, yeah, he did a miracle, right? Read this before. If this is your mom, right? Right, so picture that. He rebuked the sickness. She rose and began to serve them, which is kind of funny, right? She's sick and she wakes up like, you guys want some roast beef? You know, like, I don't know what that was like. I mean, maybe that's how I grew up. My, mom, my mom's roast beef, man, nobody can touch it. How many know what I'm talking about? Your mom has a meal that, like, nobody can cook. They bring it to you, like, get that garbage away from me. It's not like my mom's. Okay. So she wakes up, or not wakes up, gets up and begins to serve them. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any were sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Every one. Demons also came out crying, you are the son of God. He rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. And you find this um, in, in a strange way a few times where he heals people and he says, don't talk about it yet. Because, you know, his time, he wasn't, maybe he wasn't, we can infer, we don't know, but we can infer that maybe he's like, look, they're going to crucify me tomorrow if you share that. So let's just, you know, hold, hold on for a second, which is interesting, right? Sometimes, see, I think he would uh, rebuke the demons just because they were trying to be a distraction, even though saying you are the Christ, right? Um, I want to, a quick side note, it is not enough to know who Jesus is, right? The demon said you are the Christ, the goal in your life is not to know that Jesus is Lord, but to know him as your Lord. Amen? Demons know who Jesus is. The power of grace, listen to this, think about this, is that Jesus will engage the demon-possessed, totally out-of-control person. Do you know why? He sees them just like he sees you and me. And this is where we're getting to today. You see, because maybe in our Christian experience, we might see someone who's possessed and say, I'm going to take a detour. Right? That's not what Jesus does. He engages them. He engages them. Wow. He would look at them with eyes of love and compassion and heal them. You know, I've seen three times in this, in this building where someone was um, de demonically possessed or oppressed, either way, be, to be out of their mind, and God healed them. I saw when I was in Bible college, I, I went to this one ministry. I did not know what I was getting in for. Have you guys ever had God just take you on a little, little journey, a little something you weren't expecting? I've told this story before that his name was uh, Bill Suddeth, and he had this powerful deliverance ministry. And Pastor Ed, my dad, I don't know, it's, it's unlike anything else. And I would be standing there leading worship, and he's like, oh, man, people set free. I'm like, good, yeah, believe him for that. 
and he would start prophesying things that they experienced, and people would just start puking. Now, some of you are like, I don't know if I like that theology. Well, you might not like the Bible then, right? Because that's a real thing. How many know, like, evil, good, real thing? Satan casts out of heaven, real demons, real thing. And Jesus was setting them free, every single one of them. And when you see this firsthand, it really changes you. And I want to tell you, Jesus is still setting people free. He's still healing you. And if you have a sickness today or if you have a mental torment that you cannot get rid of, every night you go to sleep. And I really feel this right now. Uh, in fact, can you just bow your heads? If every night you go to sleep and you're trying to go to sleep and you're tormented in your mind, I'm telling you, God is speaking right now. You're tormented in your mind and you cannot it's 2 in the morning, it's 3 in the morning, and, and you're racing through fears and anxieties. No one's looking around. I want you to raise your hand. No one's looking around. This is just, this is just Jesus and you. No one's looking around. Come on. There's about 10 hands. I know. I feel like there's about 10 more that are supposed to go up. Guys, you got to say you want healed if you want healed. Jesus says, what do you want? Jesus is looking at you right now saying, what do you want today? Jesus is going to bring restoration. And even right now in the sound of my voice, he's doing it. Some of you are being healed right now. You don't have to even get to point one of a sermon to be healed. You know that? Jesus is healing you right now. Right now. Jesus, bring total peace. Jesus, bring total peace. Take away those racing fears. Illogical worries. I want to say this. Illogical worries. Illogical worries. Raise your hand if you have illogical worries lately. Things you know, if you really think about it, they're not going to happen, but Satan has got your mind racing. Come on, raise your hand if you want healed from that. Yeah, it's about 30 of you. Wow. Jesus is bringing healing to your mind right now. Jesus Right now, Lord. Amen. Could you look up? How many know that Jesus knows what you're going through? Look at this, Luke 5. We're going to go through about four of these moments. Luke 5, verse 12. Jesus was in one of the cities, and there came a man full of leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him. Listen, can I tell you what it doesn't say? And then Jesus walked him through a 12-step program for the next 24 months. Listen, I'm all for program. I love programs. I have been on more stages with Teen Challenge where I watch God gradually rescue people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not negating that. But I'm also not going to negate Scripture that says in a moment you can be free. I have seen it. I have seen it too many times. I have walked up to people at those seminars. I have walked up to people at those seminars that I was talking about earlier and said, what happened to you today? And they said, you know, I this, 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 and I have total joy, total peace right now. My mind is clear. Jesus can heal you in a second. Now, here's where it's going to, it might step on your toes, this next part. Everybody just pull your toes in just a little bit. 
He charged them to tell no one, go show yourself to the priest, make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, as a proof. But now even more, the report went went abroad. Of course, everybody's going to tell everybody. Great crowds gathered to hear him, and he healed their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places to to pray. Now, here's what I want to say. I heard the Lord so loud after I, I, I pasted this in from, from Logos and, and, and was thinking about this. I was like, Jesus touches the leper. If you don't like the fact that Jesus touches the leper, it's because you don't see yourself as a leper. If, if that bothers you, it's because you have forgotten or not realized you and me are the leper. We're sick. We're in need of Jesus. Now, on a very face value level, he healed them. But if we can take this as a metaphor, right, that we all are in a way like a leper, our sin desensitizes us. With leprosy, they lose the nerves and their their fingers and their toes and their feet and, and suddenly gangrene and all this junk, you know, happens and they lose their limbs, We are the leper. If you don't see yourself as a leprous sinner that Jesus once touched and healed, then you too will have a hard time engaging with people who have some other problems. Right? Do you feel the Holy Spirit lovingly challenging us today? Because he's not, he's not mad at you. He's not mad at you, but he's saying, hey, if I engage with them, you can too. If I had dinner with them, you can too. The leper is so glad Jesus touched him. We are the leper Jesus has healed. Jesus isn't worried about you interrupting his day. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't want to bother Jesus. Right? That's what I, I, I had that strange thought cross my mind that some of you might think, well, no, he, God is so busy. He's got a full schedule today. <laughs> Jesus is healing people in Brazil right now while he's speaking to your heart and healing you. Right now, because he's that good. The power of grace is that you are never forgotten. We then can take this same approach and touch the leper. Does anyone remember what we talked about with the tabernacle of Moses last week, right? The tent of meeting where there was a holy place, a most holy place, a veil that separated them. Hebrew says Jesus was like that veil torn in two so that we could have access to God. Another verse in Hebrews, one of my favorites, says that he became sin, right, so that we would not have to be punished for our sin. He became sin. So we're going to talk about this idea of becoming him becoming sin and that you now are the tabernacle. You're the tabernacle. You're the temple. You are the place where God meets man. Remember, we spent about five to ten minutes on this last week, that the tabernacle was where God meets man. Courtney, now you are the tabernacle. 
Paul, you are the tabernacle. Brandon, you're the tabernacle. John, you're the tabernacle. You're a good-looking tabernacle, John. You're the tabernacle. You are the place where God meets man. You say, I'm not good enough. I'm Join the club. That's why Paul calls it a jar of clay. A jar of clay. God's presence is in you and available to every broken person that comes across your path. The power of grace is that he turns your messed up life into a tabernacle. A mobile tent of meeting. A mobile tent of meeting. Oh, I hope you're getting this. You say, oh, my tent is is messed up. It's got a lot of tears in it. A lot lot of regrets. No, but God can make your life a tent of meeting where people who are hurting engage God. Maybe someone at your work is facing a difficulty right now. My question for you in this sermon is, do you even know? Right? Do you know about it? Because how many have ever done this? Because I know I have. How many has ever done this where you get into your, your lane, your bubble, your to-do list? How many have ever had somebody text you and say, I just passed you driving and you were in the zone. You didn't even see me. You know? Right? With me, I'm thinking about the juice box that just spilled on my you know, car or the fact that I hit a fire hydrant. One of the two, but... You know, when people pass me, when people pass me, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes I'll get a text like, I just passed you and waved and you were in the zone. Like you did not, you know, focused, right? Sometimes we don't even see them. But Jesus sees them. Maybe they're really worried about something, right? I want to have um, my sister Jessie come up and tell a story because before the sermon, she, th- this is the problem. If you share a story with the pastor, get ready. She tells this powerful story. She's like, God just moved right there. And she's telling the story. I'm like, yes, you're going to share that with everybody. She's like, no, I'm not. I said, yes, you are. All right, so give a hand to my sister, Jessie, while she tells the story. Well, we'll ask during worship practice if there was anything cool that happened. I'm like, well, something cool happened to me. Um, a couple of years ago, actually, I don't, I don't know if everyone knows, but my husband and I have a flooring store. And this, we get people that come in all the time trying to sell us different things. And this lady came in the store and asked if she could meet with me for just a few minutes about financing. So I sit down with her, which we already have a program, but I, you know, listened to what she had to say. And um, as I was explaining that we already had a program, she said, well, I'd really like to tell you more about it. Will you let me take you to lunch? And um, it was off the cuff. It wasn't planned. I was like, oh, okay. It was kind of, you know, you're kind of on the spot, and you're just sitting there. I said, all right, I'll I'll go with you. So we're driving. I get in the car with a stranger. (laughs) This is crazy. I don't even have my car. So I called Jimmy, and I said, can you pick me up at Applebee's like in an hour? And uh, he said, sure. So we're driving over to Applebee's, and she asked me about myself and, 
my kids and things like that. And I was telling her. And um, as we were starting to pull into Applebee's, you know, right before we got there, I said, well, do you have kids? And uh, it got, she got real quiet. And then she started to cry. And she said, no, um, I've had several miscarriages. And um, I, I don't think I can ever have any children. And I just knew right then what I was supposed to do. So I said, I know, please don't think I'm crazy. I go, but I think that this is a divine moment for you and that you weren't here to sell me financing today. I said, it, is it okay that I, I pray with you? And she just started bawling. Yes, I, I've been so far away from God. I don't even know. And I'm like, it's okay. It's fine. He, he can hear us. So I grab her hands right there in an Applebee's parking lot, and I just prayed over her. I prayed healing for her. Well, um, Thursday or Friday last week, um, I had a message to call this lady Tina, and at first I didn't remember who, who she was. And um, so I called her back, and she said, do you, do you remember me? Um, you know, I was... The, the lady was synchrony. I go, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I remember you. She goes, have you checked your email today? And I said, no, I, I'm sorry. I haven't checked my email today. She said, well, if you go check your email, you're going to see a picture of a beautiful, my beautiful baby girl. Right, yeah. <laughs> that she, God healed her, and she had a baby. And she goes, and she goes, the reason I'm also calling is because I'm pregnant with my second baby. And um, I tell everybody of that moment that you, you know, prayed over me. And she said, me and my husband are now in church. We've moved to a rural community, and um, we're serving the Lord. Come on, give him praise for that. What's so cool is she didn't know at all what I was, what I was preaching on, and this is what I'm talking about. God sets up moments where you are the tabernacle. And if you're, if you're hearing me today and you go home and you pray and you say, God, make me that tabernacle. Make me a place where God can meet man. Can meet man. Then suddenly your eyes will be open to, to these moments. And you'll see that moment. And God will say, pray for him. And I know what some of you are thinking. What if they don't get healed? I was watching a video about a month ago, a quick video of Heidi Baker. I'm so, had subscribe to her on YouTube, and she's always got miracle stories and stuff. It's encouraging. And the journalist asked, well, do you always see healing? And she said, well, with, with deaf ears, we see about 90% heal, healings. And with blind eyes, we see about 70% healings. She said, but the Lord taught me years ago, it's not my job to heal. It's my job to pray and believe. And I want to encourage you today, church, pray and believe and be open to God using your life right there at an Applebee's or wherever, wherever you are the tabernacle. All right? How many are God speaking? We're only halfway through our message. God is speaking. We can leave right now, James. This is good. Hey, church, come on, look at your neighbor and say, you are the tabernacle. Now, I want to tell you another story right here. Mark 5. Mark 5. In uh, some translations, it will say the desperate woman at the top. This has always been a meaningful story in our household. Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side. A great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. 
Now, I do think it's interesting. He's the ruler of the synagogue. Sometimes you have to slow down for a minute, right? His friends hate Jesus. His friends are trying to kill Jesus, but he knows he can heal. You see, when you need a healing, your opinions about Jesus change. That wasn't in the notes. I don't know who that was for. Here we go. My daughter is at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. And he went. So he's on his way. A great crowd followed around and thronged about him. There was a woman, though, with a discharge of blood for 12 years. She had suffered under many physicians. She spent all she had, yet was no better, but only grew worse. She heard the reports about Jesus. She heard Jesus could heal, right? So she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. She said, if I just touch his garment, I will be made well. And immediately, the flow of blood stopped. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone from him, which that's remarkable, isn't it? He's walking, and he feels power just gone, right? He needs, he he feels that. He turned around and said, who touched my garments? The disciples, of course, said, "Uh, Master, there's, there's a crowd pressing around you. What do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you, right? He looked around to see But the woman, knowing what happened to her, she came in fear, trembling. She fell down. She told him the truth. You see, she was worried. She was worried that maybe she would be judged for that. Maybe she felt like a leper. She's supposed to be not in the marketplace. She's not supposed to be around people. And he said to her, daughter, oh, come on, don't you love Jesus says daughter, He always calls you for who you really are. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Don't forget this, guys. The power of grace is that you are never forgotten. I asked one of my friends, Sam, to draw a picture of this, and she just nailed it. Isn't that awesome? She reaches out, and she touches Jesus. She's afraid for her life, but she is at the end of her rope. She has suffered with this for 12 years. And I want to tell you today, if you've been suffering with something for 10 years, 20 years, it doesn't stop Jesus' ability to heal you. Amen? He's on his way to heal someone, and she interrupts. I want to say this. God can handle your interruption. God can handle it. Why? Because God's love for you is so much greater than you could ever understand. He sees you for who you really are. You're his child. Don't let your pain and your problems define you. Hear me, church, don't let your pain and your problems define you. And I want to say, too, if we could go back to that point a minute ago, there are people in your life, and you say, well, this is 
this is me today. But if you're, if you're not feeling that, if you're not struggling with that, can I tell you something? There's somebody at your workplace where their pain defines them. And they put on a smile when they talk with you. They know how to put it on the facade. But when they get in the car and shut the door, now they're alone with their pain and their fears and their thoughts again. And you are the tabernacle. You say, I can't heal them. Jesus can heal them. And you have Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because he wants to challenge you this morning to really believe it, to really believe it. In fact, can we just stop for a minute? I want you to close your eyes for just a second. Because if you're not careful, you'll hear a message like this and you'll do what I've done before, right? Say, yeah, I see what you're saying, Pastor. But I want you to really think. It's April. In the last four months, who have you prayed with? I just, I'm just, I'm just lovingly, I'm challenging you, church. That's, that's my job as your pastor. I'm challenging you. Who have you prayed with? Who was so broken? And you think back, oh, man, that was a moment where God stepped in. That was a moment where heaven was meeting earth. All right, can you look up at me? Church, you are the tabernacle. You're the tabernacle. You have the answer. You have the answer. Turn in your Bibles to Numbers 21. And we're going to close with this idea, this passage. Numbers 21. We're not going to read it. All I want you to do is mark it with a bookmark or whatever you have, a pencil in your Bible. And I want to tell you what took place here. Because all month long, we're going to spend about five minutes, ten minutes on the tabernacle and how it's a picture of Jesus. Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole in the middle of the Israelite camp. We're going to summarize all this real quick. God told Moses to do this so the Israelites who had been bitten by snakes could look at it and be healed. Has anybody heard this story before? Anybody been following Jesus long enough to know this? This is an interesting story, right? The people were in the wilderness after the refusal to obey God. Although God had provided food and water for them after their disobedience, they complained because of the monotony of the manna provided. As punishment, God sent serpents among them. The serpents' bites were deadly, but God relented and chose to provide a rescue if those who were bitten would accept it. Anyone who looked upon the bronze serpent in the middle of the camp would be healed. How many would just nod along with me and say, this is kind of strange. It's okay, guys, to admit that. That's how it felt to them, too. They didn't know, they didn't know that, that they were prophesying about Jesus who would take on the curse. You see, bronze always represented judgment, always. The serpent always represents the curse. In fact, how many have you ever seen a medical logo? Can you put up that logo? How many have you ever seen that, right? 
Where does that come from? Numbers 21. I mean, I, I did one, does one Google search, came right up. Why? The medical community to this day, it's been passed down for years, goes back to Numbers 21. Because you had three million people who were suddenly bit by snakes. And then they're told to look upon this bronze snake on a pole and they were healed. I want you to watch this video and it's going to come to life a little bit. Imagine that you're there. <clears throat> Joshua, how many more in the night? Some 300, sir. Where will you bury them? Men are trying to take a trench, but the ground is hard and rocky. With respect, Moses, my concern is not for the dead, but for the dying. Hundreds fall by the day, and for every serpent we kill, another ten appear. Maybe we should leave the bodies here, in this tent. At the rate people are dying, there would not be enough room, even if we stacked them to the top. Then we'll have to leave and find someplace else. I'm not leaving anytime soon. Too many people are sick and cannot walk. After today, the only Hebrews too sick to walk will be those who choose to remain so. Is there medicine in that bronze? You told the people that you would ask God to forgive their rebellion, to heal their serpent wounds. I did. Then why are you hiding in a tent? It wasn't my idea, Joshua. That is a pagan symbol. You did not ask him if you were sure? Maybe you misunderstood him. I've learned to do what he says without questioning. You remember what happened at Meribah. Just to be sure, we could send a messenger to Iziongip or beg for aid. That pole. Hand me that pole. say it is a cruel joke. Let them say that. Help me understand. None of this makes any sense. How do you explain the Red Sea? The man in the coil? The pillar of fire? Joshua, any Israelite who looks upon this bronze serpent and believes in the power of Adonai will be healed. It's an act of faith. Not reason. serpent that Moses put on the pole directed by God was a symbol of what would take place when Jesus himself would take on the curse of sin. John 1.29 tells us that Jesus takes on himself the sins of the world. The bronze serpent on the pole represents Jesus taking the curse of sin, the punishment. Jesus offered himself a sacrifice so that you could be healed. So that that woman that met Jesse, so that she could be healed. Jesus' sacrifice not only gives us access to God's holy presence, like we said last week, friendship, but healing for your heart and mind. How many believe that? 
We must be willing to admit our need for God and be reminded that we are the leper, that we are those that were bit by the snake, that we are those that were bit by the snake and that we looked upon Jesus in faith. How many of in this room have looked upon Jesus in faith and been saved, right? Charles Spurgeon, I'm sorry, Charles Edwards says, all your righteousness would have no influence to uphold you and keep you out of hell any more than a sinner's, or I'm sorry, a spider's web would stop a falling rock. Your good deeds, my good deeds, why does he use that metaphor? It's, a, it's like a spider web. Your sin is the rock. It doesn't hold up. We need help. And if you are so thankful, I want God to just remind us today, remind us how thankful how good it is that he forgave us, right? In Hebrews, we view his mercy, and so we offer ourselves as an act of worship. No one is forgotten. Those people at your work, they're not forgotten. Those people at the store that you see often, they're not forgotten. The person who cuts your hair, not forgotten. You have the power to tell Another person who's been bit by that snake to look upon Jesus, to look upon that bronze serpent on a pole, as foolish as it sounds, to look upon Jesus, the one who took your punishment. And I trust me, just saying the name Jesus, just, just talking about the gospel, God starts to do something in your heart, in their heart. He does. Amen? You and I were bit by the snake. We're infected with sin, right? And then somebody, a friend or a pastor, I read this week some statistics that 79% of people were led to Jesus by a friend, not a pastor, right? 79, everybody say 79%. So I'm telling you, you are the tabernacle of God. You are the tent of meeting, you know, I want to end with this, this idea of foster care. Could everybody just stand up for a moment? Because there's all kinds of ways. I'm going to have the worship team come up. There's all kinds of ways, guys, that we can love the hurting. But I, God has given us this, this crazy idea at Rock of Grace. It's really kind of preposterous. I really felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, and some of you guys know this story, a year and a half ago, loud and clear. I was in my office and studying, and, and it's like, he says, hey, the foster care crisis, that's the church's job, not the government's. Heard it loud and clear. Now, they do an amazing job. We partner with them. I'm leading you to, hey, get trained by Trumbull County Children's Services or NOAS. We have bulletins. Uh, brochures, rather, in the foyer. And it won't be for all of you, but you know what? Some of you could possibly be on the FAM team. You'll hear more about that in the coming days. Nikki Culver's doing an amazing job putting together a foster care advocacy ministry with Pastor Dave. And some of you say, I can provide a meal once a month. I can clean their house. How many got the gift of clean? Anybody? Come on. Some of you got, some of you like, you like, like you seriously, you like to straighten things. You like to make things clean. You can go do that. Some of you could be a mentor mom or a mentor dad. I want to tell you the most spiritual thing I did this week. 
It's not preaching. It was watching Lucas. It's the most spiritual thing I did this week. Can I say that again? Me preaching is not the most spiritual thing I do this week. Holy Spirit has reminded me of this many times. It's taking care of Lucas. You know why? I was talking with a friend the other day. God's been speaking in his heart. And he said, you know what it reminds me of? When Jesus said, when I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Does that sound like foster care and adoption? You want to know where Jesus is? Jesus is in the hurting child waiting for love. Do you want to know Jesus? How many of you want to know Jesus? Seriously, do you want to know Jesus? I'll tell you where he is. He's in the hurting person. That's where he is. That's where he resides. We got this all mixed up. We think I find Jesus at church. You actually don't. You find Jesus right there in the addict who is in the spiral. You find Jesus, you will find the power and the person of Jesus when you engage someone who is hurting. That is where you find Jesus. He says, you took me in, right? What does disciples say? They said, master, when have we seen you a stranger? When have we seen you naked? And when have we seen you hungry? And he says, what you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. This is why we open with this video. The church is not a building. You are the church. You are the house of God, the presence of God. The person of Jesus is in you, James. Every time you work with somebody, every time somebody comes to you on the job site and you say, oh, pastor, I'm just the foreman. I'm just the foreman. I just make sure everything's, you know, in order. I, I don't have a spiritual degree. I don't have a Bible college degree. Neither did Luke, who was a doctor. Neither did Peter. He was a fisherman. Right? Levi was a tax collector. And in that culture, that meant thief. In fact, his disciples said, what are you doing hanging out with the tax collector? Next thing you know, Jesus said, he's actually on your team. You better like him. You're going to get used to him for the next three and a half years. Right? Come on, we got to engage people. Can you bow your heads for a minute? And if you want God to move in your life in this way, would you just open up your hands and say, God, make me a temple. Come on, say, God, make me a place where sinful man or hurting man meets God. Come on, make that your prayer right now out loud. Say, God, make me a jar of clay because this is what scripture says. If that glory was great, how much greater? Because Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, and he comes now to rest in you, these jars of clay, with all his surpassing glory. He is in you. You are the presence of God on the earth. And I know what you're thinking. I'm not good enough. I know I'm not either. But we are the tabernacle, and you have Jesus. There's people at your workplace that have amazing levels of mental torment. And maybe you've been unaware 
Maybe you've been so focused on the task list that you've missed it. Right now, would you just say, God, help me see him? Come on, say, God, help me see him. Because you can teach them how to look upon Jesus. You can be just like Moses and say, listen, you've been bit by the snake. You have something destroying your life. Look up to Jesus. Look up to Jesus. Before we sing this song, I want to make a salvation opportunity. If you yet have received Jesus, you personally, maybe you're invited today or maybe you're tuning in online and you have yet to say, I'm the leper, I'm the desperate woman, and I'm the person who's bit by the snake. I have issues I do not know what to do with them. I am, I am selfish. I make a mess of things. I'm ruining my marriage. I'm ruining this or that because I, I feel God speaking to my heart right now. Sir, ma'am, that's, that's sin that the Holy Spirit's convicting you of, and he wants you to look upon Jesus. He wants you to look upon Jesus who died for that sin. And that sin is the same as my sin, is the same as the sin next to you that was forgiven of that person. No matter what it is, sin is sin. I want you right now, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior for the first time, for the first time, would you raise your hand nice and high? I think I know everybody here, but I see one or two faces, and I just want to ask, is there anybody here that doesn't know Jesus? You've never given your heart to him. You've never admitted your sin and confessed him. Raise your hand nice and high. And we're going to pray a prayer of faith together. So now the rest of us who are followers of Jesus, how many, would you just raise your hand if you've, if you've been challenged by the Holy Spirit today, right? To say, you know what? I can tell people about the cross. I can point people to Jesus. Let's close with this song because I love how this song talks about the cross. And then it says, you know what? I'm going to stand and I'm going to shout about it. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. You stood before creation eternity in your hand this is jesus we're talking about think about this you spoke the earth into motion my soul now to stand you stood before my failure sin and carried the cross for my shame my sin weighed upon your shoulders my soul now to stay so what can I say in view of mercy what can I say What can I do? God, but we can worship you. We can surrender to you. But offer this heart, oh God. Completely to you. So I'll walk. I'll walk upon. 
that he would look down and say, I know you rebelled. I know you ignored my specific instructions, but I forgive you. If you'll just look upon my son, if you'll just look upon Jesus, you'll be restored, completely healed in your mind, in your body, in your emotions. So God, thank you for reminding us of that this morning. Thank you for reminding us that we are those Israelites who rejected you, who made false idols, who put other things before you. And yet, God, in your mercy, in your mercy, you said, look upon this cross. Look upon Jesus. So we look to you. God, we look to you. Help us, Father, to tell people. Help us to be the temple, God. I feel led to give you a challenge. Are you guys okay with a challenge on your way out? I got Bob Pashley, and that's it. Are you okay with the challenge? Kelly, you okay with the challenge? This week, before next Sunday, before next Sunday, I want you to find one person in this room that you're going to tell who you prayed for. You say, 
don't challenge me like that, Pastor. Right? You want to share a story? I, I, I trust you. Come on up. I love James. Come hop up here. Listen, by next Sunday, by next Sunday, can we pull the lights up in the house for a minute? Because I feel like I want you to look around. And half of you, it's going to be your spouse. But I want you to look around and find a friend. Actually, I don't want you to find I don't want you to do this with your spouse. Let's do guy to guy, girl to girl. I want you right now to look around and just point at someone. You're like, yeah, that's my buddy. They're going to be my accountability partner on this. Come on, look around. You want to be my, my buddy? All right. Who you got? Did you find someone? Courtney? All right. Everybody got someone. Okay, pull the music down for just a little bit. Does everybody have someone? You're so quiet. Let me ask one more time, because I'm going to keep asking until I get a yes. Does everybody have someone? Okay. By next Sunday, even if you got to do what I do, I put it in my phone so I don't forget, right? By next Sunday, I want you to ask them, who'd you pray for? And you watch. God's going to move. God is going to move. Okay? All right, real quick, testimony. Never take your influence for granted. And your time you spend in the temple will come out while you walk in your workplace. And, uh, you know, you can lead one to Christ. They're right there. They're in your workplace. God used me this week, this young man named Brandon. I kept feeding him all week. I put him on the men's prayer list. The guys, if you haven't been plugged into the men's guys on Thursday night with Bob Pashley, it is worth taking the time to his glory for all his glory. These days were short. Brandon's heart was opened up. Three days later, at work, he accepted Christ. Come on. 18 years old. Okay, real quick question. And then, um, I'm sorry, where did you get your seminary degree from? Could you tell us? Where did you go to Bible college? I actually moved to Bible college. You did go to Bible college? You just ruined my my illustration completely. Come on, James. You ruined my illustration. No. That was awesome. I forgot that you went there. You did tell me that one time. Yeah, years ago. Okay. You just ruined it. But you know, oh, come on, somebody. But you're a carpenter, right? Okay, thank you. You're a carpenter. High five. The car- okay, listen. That was awesome. Listen, don't miss this, okay? Does everybody have your buddy? Look at him in the eyes. Give him a Pentecostal point. Give him an Ardine, a Pentecostal point. Mick, who's your dude? You got it? Bob, who's your dude? Pastor Ed, who's your guy? Awesome. Next week, I want you to ask them, who did you pray for? Because you are the temple. Amen? All right, have a good week. See ya.